0: If you're a woman in Newfoundland and Labrador who works, there's a good chance you're earning less than your counterparts who have the same skills, do the same work, and who are men. That likelihood grows for Indigenous women, women of colour, women with disabilities, and transgender or non-binary folks. Government statistics from 2019 show that women in Newfoundland and Labrador earned roughly 66% of what men earn. Meaning for every dollar a man earns, a woman earns around 34 cents less on average. It's ludicrous, isn't it? That in 2023, governments still have not made sure that workers are not discriminated against through their wages, based on their gender. After all, we have human rights laws that consider discrimination based on sex or gender an infringement on human rights. Women have fought for pay equity for decades. In response, the federal government and most Canadian provinces have enacted pay equity laws. Newfoundland and Labrador is one of the last provinces to enact legislation. And it's not going well. But that's the thing. When government knows most of us aren't watching, they get away with things we otherwise might be up in arms about. Well, as with all fights for sex and gender equality, women and gender diverse folks are leading the fight. In 2017, that fight was brought into the Newfoundland and Labrador legislature.
1: As we know, pay equity is an issue of fairness. It is an issue of human rights. And its time has not only come, it's long, long
2: overdue.
0: On International Women's Day in 2017, NDP MHA Jerry Rogers introduced a private member's motion in the House of Assembly.
1: And I believe that it is something that we as a province can do, that we as a province must do. There is no longer any viable reason not to do
3: this.
0: The motion called for the government to start the process to enact pay equity legislation in this province. It was adopted, unanimously, by our elected officials. Finally, women in Newfoundland and Labrador would be paid equal to men. Five years passed though, and nothing. It took another woman, this time a journalist, to hammer away at the issue in 2022. The fruit of her reporting? We now have pay equity legislation. In a few minutes we'll hear from that journalist, whose work has landed her on the shortlists of two prestigious national journalism awards. We'll also speak with a labour leader, again a woman, Who will tell us why the new legislation needs to be scrapped, and why government must go back to the drawing board. It's June 2021, and four years have passed since all political parties supported Jerry Rogers' private member's resolution, to start the process of enacting pay equity legislation. Progressive Conservative MHA Helen Conway Ottenheimer rises in the legislature.
4: In 2017, this House supported a private member's motion to implement pay equity legislation. Four years later, Newfoundland and Labrador is the only Atlantic province without such legislation. When will the minister bring forward the necessary legislation which once and for all will treat men and women equally in our province?
0: This is Pam Parsons responding. She's the minister responsible for women and gender equality.
1: Uh, well, certainly pay equity is a permanent conversation since I've come into this department. I will say that extensive work has been done for years and years prior to this government taking office. Uh, it's certainly not a new issue. Uh, that said, we're committed to working collaboratively with departments such as the Department of Labor and, and, uh, and all members um, to do what we can to, to make change happen as soon as we can within our fiscal reality. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.
0: The Honorable the Member for Harbour, Maine.
4: Mr. Speaker, I suggest to the minister that this is not a difficult question. Legislation should be debated immediately. Will the minister bring in pay equity legislation in 2021? Yes or no?
1: We are certainly committed to doing everything that we can within our fiscal reality. And I will remind the member, uh, payments such as the $600 million that we will need for, for rate mitigation certainly could have gone a long way to help programs such as pay equity and much other needed resources and programs that we need in Newfoundland and Labrador. But make no mistake, we are certainly committed to doing everything we can, Mr. Speaker.
0: Another year goes by, and another sitting of the legislature. The House reconvenes in March 2022. Helen Conway Ottenheimer comes out swinging.
4: Women in this province are reporting increased stress and anxiety because of the increased cost of living. Many women, especially single moms, are trying to provide healthy food for their children and gas for their cars. It is a fact that the pandemic has disproportionately negatively impacted women. Does the minister agree that it is unacceptable that women make 76 cents for every dollar made by a man.
1: We can all appreciate all the challenges that have been faced since COVID, the cost of living as we know, but I can assure you, Mr. Speaker, this government is committed to doing everything that we possibly can, not just the Department of Women and Gender Equality, but across government, to doing everything that we can with regards to the gender wage gap and all issues that have faced women and gender diverse people in this province. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.
4: Mr. Speaker, we need to have answers with substance, and we're not getting them. Newfoundland and Labrador is the only province in Atlantic Canada without pay equity legislation, despite the House introducing it five years ago in 2017. In June, when I raised the issue, the Minister said it's certainly not a new issue. Well it's been five years. Will the Minister, once and for all, commit to bringing pay equity legislation to this House? During this sitting.
0: Another year, another attempt to get the ball rolling on pay equity legislation. What was different this time? Well, enter Juanita Mercer, the Telegram's new legislative reporter. She hammered away at the issue for months, and she showed us how powerful journalism can be when we dedicate ourselves to stories of social injustice. Juanita spoke with me from St. John's on April 19. Can you take us back to that time and describe how government responded to the questions from you, but also to questions from Mm -hmm. opposition MHAs? Like, what struck you the most?
5: Pay equity, I know, was something that, you know, women's advocates, workers' advocates, they've been calling for this for decades in this province. Other provinces have had it for decades. You know, Manitoba got pay equity legislation in 86 um, PEI in 88. I know Ontario got it for both the public and private sector in 88. So like it's something other provinces have had for literally decades, uh, you know, here in Newfoundland, Labrador, it was, um, as you mentioned, it was just last year before we got it just for the public sector only. And so I know, um, so in 2017, it was international women's day when the house of assembly unanimously agreed to Jerry Rogers, uh, private members resolution, um, to work towards pay equity legislation, um, And there was some press on that at that time. But from what I could tell, sort of going through the news archives, there hasn't been much in the five years since. Um, I was sort of going back through the Hansard and I found a few instances of it. Um, And, you know, they would be asking, you know, how is this work going? You know, like we all agreed we're going to do this. You know, they would be asking for an update. And the response has always been some variation of, you know, we're certainly committed to doing everything we can within our fiscal reality. The fiscal reality was always mentioned, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, every now and then a minister would blame Muskrat Falls for why the province doesn't have the legislation, which I also found a bit fascinating. So last year, um, as you mentioned, I started covering the legislature. I was just fresh off of mat leave Um, and perhaps feeling a little bit fired up (laughs) about women's issues. (laughs) Um, But I know the minister responsible for women and gender equality, Pam Persons, again said in response to a question you know, the half billion dollars that we need that we get from Ottawa every year just to mitigate our rate hikes would go a long way to help with issues like pay equity.
1: But I will say this, Mr. Speaker, the half billion dollars that we need, that we get from, from Ottawa every year to just mitigate our rate hikes would go a long way to help with issues such as pay equity, Mr. Speaker. But we are committed to doing everything that we can. And when there's be providing that update to this Honorable House. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.
0: Shocking as it might seem that the minister responsible for women and gender equality would suggest that paying women as much as men is unaffordable, it wasn't the first time the province made the argument. In 1988, the government signed a deal with NAEP, the union that represents public sector workers in the province. Through collective bargaining, the province committed to pay equity for women in various healthcare sector jobs over a five-year period. Then, government walked back that promise. Facing a fiscal crisis, the Clyde Wells government introduced legislation called the Public Sector Restraint Act, which, among other things, cancelled the $24 million in payments to the women workers. Grievances were filed, and the issue went all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. That's how determined the province was to withhold the pay from women it had promised. And that's the Liberals' track record when the party finally introduced legislation three decades and nine premiers later.
3: It sent this signal that we don't care about your pay you know we don't care about addressing these systemic um, factors that have you know made it so that you're earning less in the workforce and and really that we don't care about your role in our economy
0: that's jessica mccormick president of the newfoundland and labrador federation of labor she says the government's broken promise three decades ago sent a strong message to women in the province.
3: Given that this case was tried right up to the the Supreme Court, I mean, it it really sent a very serious message that the provincial government didn't want to, to budge on this. It just tells you exactly how much our society undervalues women's work and particularly the care economy.
0: So when Pam Parsons said in 2021 and 2022 that pay equity is important, but that government can only work within its fiscal reality... Bear in mind the Liberals have been willing to hand tens of millions of dollars to oil companies at the same time those companies are earning record profits. So it's not that the money doesn't exist to pay women the same as men, it's that the government has priorities. In 2018, the year after the House unanimously supported Jerry Rogers' private members motion, the Liberals struck an interdepartmental committee to start looking into pay equity legislation. The committee met four times that year, and once more in 2019. Since then, nothing.
5: I think it all sort of stemmed from the fact that this committee was struck, but they weren't given any terms of reference for their work. So like, they they weren't given sort of clear guidelines or a timeline or anything like that in terms of, you know, that, that should guide their work. Um. And so I was talking to advocates a lot last year as well, and they were really amping up their pressure on the government. Um, and so I think it all sort of came together. The provincial government was getting a lot of negative press on it. Um, and I know at one point I did some digging as well and learned that even the government wasn't fully pay equity
0: compliant. Even the government wasn't paying some of its women workers as much as men. Juanita Mercer kept hammering away. For months, she'd been trying to get interviews with ministers, but to no avail. So, in August 2022, she attended a government announcement at Memorial University. Premier Andrew Fury was there. She asked him point blank. And for the first time, Fury made a firm commitment. There won't be any further delay, he said. We will be moving ahead in the fall. When Fury was asked for details, one of his communications officials ended the scrum. But before he left, Fury said, We hope it's a piece of progressive legislation that we can all be proud of. Fast forward to October. The House of Assembly convenes for its fall sitting. Remember, this is only six months ago, and just two months after Mercer got the Premier on record committing to legislation. Things are happening quickly. October 6th, just the fourth day of the fall sitting.
1: this province in this fall. And of course, we'll be consulting, and it will be a whole government approach. And I look forward to bringing that good news very soon, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very
0: much. They will be consulting, Parsons said. Then, just a little while later, the same day, the Liberals introduce Bill 3, their version of pay equity legislation. Before it can become law, a bill needs to be read twice in the House of Assembly debated, and read a third time. That all happened in under two weeks.
5: Very quickly last year, this Pay Equity and Pay Transparency Act was drafted, and um, immediately women's advocates, workers' advocates, unions, human rights experts, they all said it wasn't good enough.
0: Women have been fighting for this for decades. Then, under pressure, the Liberals finally introduce legislation. And they anger pay equity advocates in the process. And people are angry for good reason.
5: Even this legislation that we have, only a small fraction of it is proclaimed into force. Um, And that's the bit about pay equity for those 15% of core government workers. Um, The rest about pay equity for the rest of the public sector, pay transparency for the public and private sector, none of that is proclaimed into force yet. You know, so this legislation has been enacted, but it's not yet enforced. It's all pending these consultations that are happening right now.
0: If and how the legislation might help the majority of women well, that will now be determined by the regulations the government is developing after it gets public input. That is the Liberals' main talking point in response to the criticism. Between the second and third readings in the House of Assembly, MHA's debate proposed legislation in what's called Committee of the Whole. Opposition parties can offer their support or their concerns. And when it came to Bill 3, there was a lot of concern. This is NDP leader Jim Din.
2: In the end, this is about people's lives. This is about the ability to put food on the table. This is about people being able to afford a place in which to live. That's what this comes down to. This is about people out there who are, and I'll talk a little bit later about it because I don't think that the other side has even considered about those who are in the gig economy, those who are contractual employees, those who are the Uber Eats drivers, as to whether they are going to be a benefit from this. There are so many people that could be left out, but in the end, what we're going to do is we're going to consult with employers. On all of the rhetoric on this, it's about the employers. Where were the employees until now? They are the backbone. If you remember, during COVID-19, we couldn't do enough to sing their praises. Now it's, they're not part of the consultation until they're actually brought into it, until it's brought up to, to your attention. Now, oh yeah, we're going to consult with employees, but it was always the employers. So if we're going to do this right, tell you what, this is not a step forward, this is stall, this is inertia. Why not start the process now, bring the bill back in April, when we, or when we sit again in the, in the winter, and let's get on with it then. And have it do it right! Because Unless you can show me some immediate benefit to those who are in, this, in this area, this is a, a piece of legislation without teeth. It's meaningless. It's empty rhetoric.
0: That's not what happened. When it came time to vote on Bill 3, The PCs reluctantly supported it, saying it was better than nothing, and the NDP's three members, they voted in opposition. So fast forward to today, the idea of public consultation sounds nice and democratic, doesn't it? But critics like the Federation of Labour, the St. John's Status of Women Council, and others say there's too much missing from the legislation, and you can't regulate something that doesn't exist.
3: The biggest issue, I think, is that there are a lot of people who will not benefit from this legislation because it only applies to the public sector. Women and gender diverse people working in the private sector are not covered by this legislation. If you are somebody who is a contract worker, so seasonal, part-time, contract, oftentimes those are some of the most precarious workers. They are also not covered by this legislation. So, It leaves a lot of people out, and I think that that's one reason why it's inadequate. But it also doesn't include the type of detail and measures around enforcement of pay equity, around what kind of information employers have to disclose, the timelines for those disclosures. All of those details are left to regulation. And what we have seen across Canada is that we're really out of step with what's happening in Ontario and Quebec, uh, two provinces that have pay equity legislation, but also what has been introduced federally, which provides a lot more detail in the legislation itself um, and puts, uh, I guess, more emphasis on the steps that we need to take to uh, address pay equity in the workplace. The
0: legislation is broken down into two parts, the pay equity part and the pay transparency part. Let's start with the pay transparency part, because that's where some say the government did do a decent job. So this is
5: the one part of the legislation that applies to, you know, it will affect all workers because it, it applies to the private sector. It would require employers to advertise the pay for jobs or like a range of pay. Um, so that way it, it arms people with more information, you know, so... It's, it's hard to know whether or not you're being paid fairly if you don't know what other people are being paid. So this would require companies to have to post that information. They would also have to prepare pay transparency reports. And now what those reports entail is being sort of hammered out with these consultations right now. So that's a bit unclear. And it would also mean that employers wouldn't be allowed to ask somebody you know, in an interview how much money they made at their last job. Um, So it it does offer some further protections and it arms people with more information.
0: On the pay equity side of things, not so great. The Federation of Labour recently put out a backgrounder on Bill 3 and the Act. It stresses that the bill requires a complete overhaul and a fundamental reset. The Federation puts forth 10 recommended changes to the Act. The first one, enshrine pay transparency and pay equity as human rights in the Act. As I mentioned earlier, Newfoundland and Labrador already has human rights legislation that prohibits discrimination based on sex and gender. The Human Rights Act even explicitly addresses pay equity. But the complaints process can be long and arduous, and advocates say identifying pay equity and pay transparency as a human right in the pay equity legislation itself would strengthen workers' rights and recourse.
3: Bill 3 itself doesn't even make any reference to the word discrimination. Having clear language around fundamental human rights in the legislation, I think, speaks more clearly to what we're trying to do with the legislation. And not including those details doesn't acknowledge how persistent and systemic um, pay discrimination is. So I think upfront, we want that type of language incorporated into the legislation. To acknowledge that.
0: The Federation also calls for the legislation to include the private sector, where most women in the province work, often in precarious and underpaid jobs.
3: Obviously, you know, the unions exist in, in the private sector and are able to do some of this work through collective bargaining. But there are a whole lot of workers, particularly low-wage, precarious workers You know, those folks that are in service sector jobs, those folks who are working in other care economy jobs who will not benefit from this legislation. So ensuring that it applies to both the public and private sector is consistent with what is in the Federal Pay Equity Act. It's consistent with what is happening in Ontario, for example. And there's no reason why if we want to meaningfully address pay discrimination, you know, we shouldn't exclude those workers. They should be included.
0: The federal government brought in pay equity laws in 2018 based partly on recommendations from a 2004 report it commissioned from the Pay Equity Task Force. The legislation, which applies to federal workers, requires employers to review and report on pay differences based on gender, but also based on indigeneity, racialized status, and disability. The province's legislation does not do that.
3: The legislation as it currently stands makes no acknowledgement or reference to intersectional pay gaps. And more practically speaking, it doesn't require, for example, employers to do any work to analyze the pay gap amongst employees who are members of those groups. And that happens in other pieces of legislation. You know, there's a requirement in the federal pay transparency regulations that requires employers to review and report on pay different for workers in those communities. So, you know, not addressing that, I think, completely ignores the intersectional factors that make pay equity issues more, you know, even more important for, for workers in those communities.
0: Juanita Mercer agrees that regulations can only do so much when the legislation itself leaves out key elements of pay equity.
5: They're not going to be able to draft regulations for things that don't exist in the Act. So if if we want better, more proactive, more progressive legislation, I think the advocates are right in that the legislation as it currently stands would need to be amended. And and legislation gets amended all the time. So, you know, it could happen, right? If they wanted to, they could go back and amend it.
0: She's not relented in her reporting. Last week, she reported that Labour Minister Bernard Davis told her that government is willing to change the legislation. But he was scant on details as to how or when that might happen. First, government wants to wrap up the consultation stage for its regulations, which ends on May 7th. Mercer also reported that the province has appointed Tina Follett as its pay equity officer. Follett will be expected to review reports submitted by employers and prepare her own report for the House of Assembly. But Follett already has a full-time job. She's also the province's public service commissioner
5: so they would be doing this work in addition to whatever else it is that they have to do um and so in some other places you know like ontario it's an entire independent oversight body that that does this work and so advocates have said one person can't ensure that everybody's being compliant with this the enforcement won't be there so, in a lot of ways, it's almost, you know, I used to cover municipal politics, and sometimes they would talk about coming up with these rules, say, for example, I think there was like some rules they wanted to put in place, about like backyard bird feeders or something. <laughs> and they're like, you know, we can come up with rules, but if we can't enforce it, what's the point, right? So, So that's sort of one of the big criticisms here is that there needs to be better enforcement mechanisms. It needs to be a more robust oversight body in place.
0: So, To recap, after decades of fighting for pay equity, women and gender-diverse people in the province now have pay equity legislation. But, legislation that doesn't cover most workers. Legislation that doesn't recognize pay equity as a human right. Legislation that doesn't account for the intersectional factors that lead to greater discrimination against certain demographics. Legislation that privileges the involvement of employers over labour unions. Legislation that excludes contract workers who are often the most underpaid. Legislation weak on enforcement and oversight. Legislation that, even in its strongest part, pay transparency, doesn't enshrine what exactly employers are required to include when they report to the government. So where to from here? Mercer attended one of the province's recent stakeholder engagement sessions.
5: And they've been happening all across the province in recent weeks. And as of yesterday, the one I went to yesterday, only 49 people have showed up so far. Um, So I think sometimes with legislation, people's eyes tend to glaze over because from the perspective of headlines and whatnot, it's not sexy. It's not attention grabbing. It's not salacious. It's not, you know, a lost cute puppy or something like that. Stories about legislation just don't... that kind of interest. And I'm not sure why, because they have a direct impact on people's everyday lives. And this legislation in particular, especially if it's amended, will touch every single worker in this province. You know, the pay transparency portion will touch every single worker in this province. And, And pay equity, like I said, if it is at some point amended or redrafted or something, you know, if they do something with that pay equity section to include the private sector, then it will touch every worker who works in fields that have been traditionally dominated by women and therefore have been systemically undervalued. So I think it's important legislation for all of us who live in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I would definitely urge people, I would urge your listeners to read up on it, to get informed and to tell the government what you think while you still have time.
0: Lucky for those who want to say, the province extended the deadline for sharing input on the Pay Equity and Pay Transparency Act regulations. That deadline is now May 7th and you can add your voice by visiting EngageNL.ca. It's 2023 and it's absolutely intolerable that women and gender diverse workers would not be paid the same as men for equal work of equal value. Let's see if the Liberals will deliver what Andrew Fury himself hoped for, progressive legislation that we can all be proud of. Fairy Grounds is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Justin Brake. Get new episodes right away by subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we do, well, we'd like to do more. And we can with your support. Visit theindependent.ca and click the pink Support Us button. And finally, a quick PSA. The Independent is creating a new podcast series on housing in Newfoundland and Labrador, and we'd like to hear from you. If you're in St. John's, join us on May 6th at noon at the Lantern for a public forum. Luke Quinton and Andy Bullman will host, and we'll be joined by panellists Doug Pawson and Sherwin Flight of End Homelessness St. John's, Kevin O'Shea of the Public Legal Information Association of NL, and housing advocate Hope Jamieson. I'm Justin Brake. Thanks for listening.